you do know the Lord don't have to make any service to fit your liking. He can speak to you in any way he wants to. I bless his name this morning. Amen. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles this morning, if you will, the book of Luke in the 10th chapter. I guess that ought to be a fairly familiar portion of Scripture to us now. We've, uh, we've been in this text on and off for some time. Luke chapter number 10. And I preached this week in the meeting that I was in. I preached uh, on grace for a thief, what I preached last Sunday morning. And uh, if you uh, missed that, you can go on to our website. You can find it. We're uploading all of our sermons now on our website. And uh, you can find that there. And you can catch up and know where we're at. Grace for a thief. If you miss any of our Sunday night uh, uh, home builders class, my class, they're all recorded. You can go catch up on those as well. I encourage you to do so. Uh, the Lord has helped us in a mighty way. Uh, this morning I want to be back in Luke chapter 10. I want to look at a, uh, another individual in our text today. And uh, I want to preach on the thought, as I did last week, grace for a thief. This morning, I want to preach on grace for a lawyer. Grace for a lawyer. And uh, I want you to stand with me this morning. I want you to look in verse 25, Luke chapter number 10, verse number 25. I want you to consider this morning this, this lawyer. I, I want you to try to understand him. That's what we're going to try to do this morning, have some kind of understanding of this uh, man that the Bible calls a lawyer. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verse 25, the Bible said, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him. Uh, automatically, I don't like him. Automatically, I don't have much time for the lawyer because he is with anger and frustration trying to tempt our Lord. Uh, I don't like him. How about you? I don't know much about him, but what I do know is he's a smart aleck. I don't like smart Alex. Can I get a witness right there? And he, uh, tempting him, or uh, behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? This is Jesus' response. And he answering said, verse 27, this is the lawyer now, he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? I want to say this to you this morning. I want you to hear me. I want you to hear me. If you are still justifying yourself, you are still as lost as you ever have been. If you are trying to talk yourself into believing that you're saved because of something that you do, then you have missed it. If you're saved this morning, it's I'm justified by Him and Him alone. 
But he seeking to justify himself said unto Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side and likewise a Levite when he was at the place came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, take care of him. And whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, go and do thou likewise. Let's stop reading there, let's pray. Lord Jesus, would you help us this morning? We thank you for your word. God, we're gonna need your touch. We're gonna need your help. Lord, we're gonna need your unction this morning. We're gonna need the anointing of God to preach, and I pray for it today. God, you know me, you know what I need, you know us, you know what we need. God, there may be someone here this morning still seeking to justify themselves. I pray, God, that the Spirit of God would so overwhelm them with conviction. God, that today before they leave here, God, that they would come to you in faith and repentance, trusting you as their salvation, trusting you as their Savior. Lord, I pray you'd speak to our hearts today. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Uh, Last week, we looked at grace uh, for a thief. And uh, I'm glad this morning that there is grace for a thief. How about you? And uh, I'm grateful this morning there's not a sinner that the Lord Jesus is not willing to save, not one that he can't save. This morning, I, I want to preach on Uh, grace for the lawyer. Uh, As a matter of fact, this morning, he is the the focus of this text. He comes to the Lord Jesus seeking to tempt him uh, to catch him off guard and to make a fool of Jesus in front of all these individuals. Uh, And Jesus answers him in such a way that leaves him speechless as Jesus begins to tell him a story Uh, in a way that he would understand it. Aren't you glad this morning that Jesus speaks to us in ways that we can understand? He speaks to us on our level. I don't know what level you're on, but whatever level of intellect or knowledge or understanding that you're on, Jesus has a way of speaking to your heart in a way that you understand. There's a lot of men would try to speak over your head or beyond you to show off some knowledge that they may have. But I'm glad Jesus will get down there where you are and talk to you on a level that you can understand. And I'm grateful for that this morning. Not everybody has the knowledge that someone else has, but everybody has the need that everyone else has. And that's Jesus. Jesus tells this story and the whole purpose of this story is to show to this lawyer 
that you are this man in need and you must be born again and without being born again, you are as hopeless as any man ever has been. See, that's hard for people to understand. That's hard to admit. I don't care this morning if you're a thief I don't care this morning if you're the president on both ends of the spectrum and you might be a thief and a president. You might not be, but you could be. There have been before. But I don't care this morning what end of the measure that you're on. It is hard for a man or a woman to admit I am a sinner and I deserve what's coming to me. Isn't that right this morning? It's hard to admit. Uh, as a matter of fact, it's so hard to admit that two thieves died beside the Lord Jesus Christ and only one of them would receive Jesus. The other died in his sin and went to hell uh, before he would admit that he deserved what was coming to him. Uh, and we see it, and we see it in churches. And there may be some of you in here this morning, you appreciate church, you enjoy the value of a community in your life, you enjoy a place to go on Sundays, uh, you have bought into uh, the mindset that this is good for me, uh, but you will not admit you're a sinner. You will not admit that Jesus must save you. You will not admit I must be born again. And until you do this morning, you are as helpless as the thief. You are as helpless as this lawyer. But I want to tell you something this morning. Jesus came to save this lawyer. Jesus came to save this lawyer. Now, I told you when I started preaching, I don't like the lawyer. Uh, he represents to us the worst of religion. He represents to us the religion that says you've got to do this, this, and this, and this in order for God to like you. And if you do all of those things, God likes you because you did all of those things. And if you don't do those things, God don't like you as much as he likes me. I I'll be honest with you this morning, that makes me sick. And I know people like that. I have met people like that that think that God loves them because of something that they've done. That God likes them because of who they are. And that other people that are not as good as they are are not liked as well as they are or loved as well as they are. And the truth of the matter is is that is a lie that they have believed, that they have decided to believe contrary to scripture because here's what the Bible said. For God so loved of the world and God don't like me because of who I am God don't love me because of where I am God loves me in spite of me that's one of the greatest things you'll ever figure out in your life you've not done one thing this morning to earn anything that God has for you you've not done one thing this morning to make God like you more than the other person sitting on your pew but this lawyer could not understand that Matter of fact, this morning as I begin to meditate upon this lawyer, I, I feel sorry for him. Jesus has messed up his world. Uh, it, it, is, it is difficult sometimes because we put everything in a, in a little nice, neat little box and we, 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 we wrap it up with a pretty little bow and we, uh, we say, well, this is this and this is this and this is this. And it's hard for us to, to look at life through the viewpoint or the vision or the lens of someone else. But I want to take a little bit of time this morning and I want to look at Jesus through the eyes of the lawyer. 
I, I want to look at Jesus through the viewpoint of this lawyer, and when I do that, I don't agree with the lawyer, but I can at least understand where the lawyer's coming from. But when I do that, I can also rejoice the more that Jesus had grace for this lawyer in spite of the lawyer. The truth of the matter is, there may be some lawyers sitting in here this morning, and I hope before you leave that you're no longer the lawyer. Uh, let, me, let me take just a little bit of time to introduce the thought this morning and, and, and talk first of all about the lawyer. Um, uh, he, the Bible calls him a lawyer and I, I've made this statement before. He's not a lawyer like, you know, we would see on TV ads, uh, uh, 1-800-CALL-THIS-LAWYER uh, if you were in a wreck. Uh, and I've got four or five names in my head, but I'm not going to mention them this morning. But we know the jingles, we know the tunes, you've seen them, you've heard them. That's not, the, that's what, that's not who this man is. Uh, he's not an attorney uh, at law. Uh, he's not in a courtroom defending a, a case. Uh, he is a lawyer because if you take that word law and your, or law and, and the, 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 the root word law, uh, he's a student of the law and the suffix er means to practice. He is a practicer of the law. He is, his life is revolved around practicing the law of God. He is an Old Testament student. Jesus, or the, the, the word of God gives us 10 commandments and then they're added to, and I believe it's 613 commandments in the Old Testament that Israel were to live by, and, and he knows them all. He has studied them. Uh, I, I read this about the lawyer uh, in that day. Uh, they, they, number one, uh, their job was to study and interpret the law. They were to study the law and interpret or explain to individuals the uh, the basis of the law and the surroundings of the law. And as they did that, generation after generation after generation, they added to the law. They, they made laws that God never even made. They come up, and isn't that amazing? Man always adds to. Uh, uh, man always makes it more and says, well, you gotta do this, this, and this. God told Adam uh, and Eve in the garden, um, of the fruit of the tree, uh, 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 thou shalt not eat thereof. And when Satan came to Eve, uh, Eve had added to the law, and uh, Satan said, why don't you eat that fruit? And she said, well, God said that we're not supposed to eat it or touch it. God never had said don't touch it. God said don't eat it. And when she touched it, found out nothing happened to her, well, then she went on uh, and, and ate it and, and plunged the whole humanity into sin. Uh, be careful this morning that you don't say what God didn't say. Be careful this morning that you're not applying laws that God never did make in your life or the life of those around you. Uh, <clears throat> they, were a, they were a student. Their job was to study and interpret the law. Uh, not only that, but they were to instruct and teach the law. I, I did not know this, but as I studied about the lawyer, a teacher was the most prestigious job uh, uh, in their day. Uh, the the uh, Old Testament economy, when the when Israel were, were nomads and they were they were moving, uh, following the uh, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, and they were picking up camp and moving and and all of that. As they were doing that, uh, the law was taught by the prophets 
and the priests. The prophets and the priests taught the law. They studied the law. Parents would send their children. It was the primary responsibility of the parent to make sure that their children understood the law of God. And they would use the prophets and the priests. But by the time the tabernacle settled in Jerusalem, by the time the religious world was was established in Jerusalem, uh, then the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the lawyers took over and education became not a home thing, but it became a system and the lawyers were teachers and one of the highest esteemed occupations in all of Israel was to be a lawyer, a teacher of the word of God. And it was his job to teach. So he had a reputation and he, he studied the book He knows the book. He's interpreted the book. People come to him and say, Sir, tell us what this law means. Uh, You talk about a little bit of pride when you know something that other people don't. Are you hearing me this morning? Uh, I know folks are tired. I'm gonna try to keep that in mind this morning, but please try to stay with me this morning. Uh, they, they come to him and said, tell us the scripture, teach us, master, teach us, teacher, the word of God. <clears throat> and it was his job. He'd take all the children as the lawyer and he would expound to them the scripture. He would teach them the Old Testament economy. He would teach them the laws of God and, 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 and on and on and on. That was his job. He was known in the community, no doubt. He was known among the young people. He was esteemed highly because of of who he was. Can't you imagine that when Jesus walked into his world uh, and Jesus began to preach by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified that it absolutely caused his world system to crumble? I mean, I I don't like him because he's tempting our Lord, but I can at least understand why he don't like Jesus because Jesus is wrecked his whole world. You know, most folks that come to Jesus, they hit rock bottom. Uh, they, they, they hit rock bottom and alcohol or drugs consumed them or a life of sin was killing them and they realize I need help and they cry out to Jesus and Jesus saves them and I'm glad that Jesus saves them but Jesus saved them out of a mess but this man never could see his mess because he was esteemed highly. He was religious. He was promoted. He was the best of the best. His name had a THD on the end of it, a theological doctrine He was a man esteemed in the ways of the Jews. How in the world is he gonna hear Jesus condemn everything that he is and like it? Uh, They they were to study and interpret the law, number one. They were to instruct and, and teach the law, number two. And then they were to decide questions concerning the law. If, if, if you had a question about the law and there was a case of two individuals and they were trying to figure out whose ox belonged to who or whose property line belonged to who or whose bloodline was this or that, they could go to this lawyer and they'd say, teacher, talk to us and teach us what does the law say and they would trust him with the decisions of their life. What I'm trying to tell you is esteemed in the community, you couldn't get much better than this lawyer. 
A name. I'm talking about a name that people respected. I'm talking about a name that we would want to know. He would be the he would be the president of this board, and he would be the name associated with this board, and he would be a commissioner, he would be a leader, he would be someone that everybody said to their children, follow him. I want you to be like him. And can you imagine to hear the Lord Jesus say to you, if that's who you are, you must be born again. What you've been doing is not enough. Is anybody hearing me this morning? And yet that's what the Lord is saying to some of you today. And it's so hard to hear. So hard to hear. I I, I thought this morning to consider some things through his eyes. If Jesus is right, and we know that he is, if Jesus is right, then this man's education is warped. That's a hard pill to swallow. If Jesus is right, everything that I've been taught all my life is distorted and warped and wrong. Are you hearing me this morning? Uh, If you were a Jew, just an average Jew, just, just normal, Uh, You were a student of the law, you were a student of the Torah, you were a student of the Old Testament uh, uh, economy and laws and words. You you, you knew by heart, if you were just average uh, and grew up in a Jewish home, you knew by heart, by memorization, the first five books of the Old Testament. Have you ever started out in January and said, this year I'm going to read through my Bible? And I hope all of you have read through it, but many of you, you started out with that intention. I'm going to read through the book of, uh, uh, through the Word of God, and you got to Genesis and read all them stories. Can you imagine, what is there, 50 uh, chapters in the book of Genesis? Is that how many is there? Can you imagine memorizing that? It's hard enough just to finish reading through it. And then get to Exodus and you read all the chapters, but they memorize it. And by the time most of us get to Leviticus, we're like, you know, this was, uh, this was, uh, we'll start next year. But they memorize the first five, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and on down the line, the first five books of the New Testament. If you were just an average Jew, You knew the laws, you knew the customs, you knew the traditions, you were taught that, that was what you were taught. You believed in God, you believed in Yahweh, you believed in Jehovah, and you knew that one day a Messiah would come and he would rule and reign and you looked for that Messiah to come. But Jesus did not come the way they expected him to. Jesus did not come the way that they desired him to. And that is why they had so much trouble receiving him. Jesus didn't come like they wanted him to. But an average Jew, they knew all the word of God, but this man was a lawyer. He was a teacher to the average Jew. Imagine what he knew. Imagine how much of the Old Testament he had memorized. Let's not throw too many stones at him and say, well, he's just religious. I mean, some religious folks are a whole lot better at being Christians sometimes than than some of us Christians are. Uh, he had studied it he had gone to school for it day in and day out he had memorized it they, they, they tell me as I studied this that they, that they would 
get up in the morning and they would memorize scripture and they had ways that they memorized it, ways that helped them to memorize it and they would recite it over and over and over again until they had it memorized and they would go on and on and on until they got all of it memorized. But they said then, then somewhere throughout the middle of the day they would tell stories, they would teach the children stories and parables uh, in ways that they could understand and all of this always in their mind, all of this education, all that they'd ever been taught and then one day Jesus walks on the scene. One day Jesus is born in Bethlehem. One day God the Son comes to dwell with men and when he comes he is not who they anticipated him to be. He is not who they expected him to be and when he gets here this lawyer says if you're right then everything I know is wrong. I was wrong. One of the hardest things in the world is to admit you're wrong. Some of you this morning, I'm not trying to throw stones at you, but you could get gloriously born again if you'd just ever be wrong. This ain't shout or out preaching, but it'll help us if you'll listen this morning. He was wrong. If Jesus is right, I'm wrong. You think about Catholicism uh, and, and, and what it is and Uh, the the religious system of Catholicism and there's some well-meaning individuals there's some folks that they have great intentions but they 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 have they have all the Hail Marys they have all the rosary beads they have all the the mass attendance they've gone to mass they've prayed their prayers they've they they've done their deed they've made their political stands and they've said surely to goodness God is pleased with me but if Jesus is right and we know that he is it is a hard thing for someone in a religious system to admit I was wrong. Even in our Baptist churches, God help us, we have so watered down salvation in so many places that we have told people baptism. Isn't that amazing this morning that, that preachers even in our, in our Baptist churches in America have convinced people that if you've been under the water of baptism, that you've been born again and that is the furthest thing from the truth. It is not water that saves you, but it is blood that saves you. We have denominations that say if you wear your dress just right and your hair just right, and if you and if you cross your uh, T's and dot your I's just right, and if you keep your language pure and you keep this and this and this, that God will let you in. And they've built their whole salvation upon a law that they can keep. And Jesus wants to deal with you. And when He shows up, either He's right or you're right, but not both. I can understand him being mad at Jesus because if Jesus is right, everything I know is wrong if I'm the lawyer. We take that for granted because most of us grew up at least enough around church that we knew one day we'd have to trust Jesus. We knew one day we'd get fed up with our sin and we'd come running to Jesus and say, Lord, save me. But this man, this man was not looking for this kind of Savior. This was not the Messiah that he was looking for. This was not what his education had taught him. He was, he was spiritually blind. He could not see, though he knew the word of God, he could not see Jesus in there 
And so through the eyes of this lawyer, Jesus is right. If he's right, then my education is wrong. What I think I know is wrong. Do you know how hard it is to admit that what I think I know is wrong? Is anybody hearing me this morning? What I've been taught, you mean tell me what I've been taught my whole life is wrong? If you ever realize that, then it'll cause you to question everything that you've ever been taught. If Jesus is right, then his education was wrong. If Jesus is right, then his efforts were worthless. I don't know if we consider this man like this, but do you know the effort it took to be who he was? To build his name? Are y'all hearing me this morning? To build his name? To, to, to build the platform that he was? He had gone through great deeds. Great, great extensive difficulty to make everybody around him think that he was premier, that he was right with God and that they could trust his opinion because that was his job. Oh, it's hard for a drunk on the street to get saved. It's hard for a drug addict in a crack house to get hard. But it's hard. I'm telling you, it's hard when you have built your career around telling people that you know something about God that they don't and teaching them the ways of God when in fact you don't know the ways of God at all. Are you hearing me? How's he going to get saved? It almost seems impossible, don't it? How does a man or a woman swallow that much pride and say, everything I've been teaching, I actually don't know. Everything I've been preaching, I actually don't know. Everything that I've been telling, I actually don't know. I was wrong. His efforts were worthless. We think of the Jews and we think of them as, you know, kind of running the world in that day. But the truth of the matter is, is they were despised in that day. Rome governed over Israel. Rome governed over Jerusalem. And these were, they, within their own political, religious system, they were upheld and highly regarded. But within the world scheme, when the world was ruled by Rome, the Romans didn't think anything of the Jews. And, 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 and just a regular old average Jew was, was a nobody. But now this man had gone out of his way to be somebody in the Jewish system which put a target on him. He, he, had, he had literally, it had cost him something uh, to do this. He had been mauled by a Roman, no doubt in his life. Somebody uh, that on the outside had mocked him uh, for who he was. Now don't that make you feel like somebody God would appreciate when you've actually been mocked for your religion? Are y'all hearing me? Oh, surely God loves me and is pleased with me and is accepting of me because I've taken one for the team. I have been mocked in Rome for who I am. Now he's a martyr. Now he's got a martyr complex. He don't know Jesus. He's gonna die in his sin and go to hell. Jesus has upended his whole religious system, but as far as he knows, as far as he can understand, as far as he can see, this Jesus has gotta go because if he's right, everything I've done is worthless. If 
Jesus is right. His education was warped. His efforts were worthless. His expectations were wrong. If Jesus is right, I'm not better than the thief. If Jesus is right, I'm not better than the drug addict. If Jesus is right, I'm not better than the harlot or the prostitute. If Jesus is right, I'm not better than the murderer. If Jesus is right, I'm no better than Barabbas. If Jesus is right, I am as in big of a mess as anybody else is. Are you hearing me this morning? Maybe we can understand why he didn't want Jesus to be right. Maybe we can understand this morning why this lawyer wanted to catch Jesus in a lie. Why he wanted to trick Jesus into saying something foolish. Why he wanted Jesus to be wrong. Because if Jesus is right, everything I am, everything I know, everything I've done is wrong. And I'm going to tell you this morning, if Jesus is right, then the atheist is wrong. If Jesus is right, then the salvation by works is wrong. If Jesus is right, then the one sitting in here this morning with your baptismal certificate, and I'm glad you've got one, but if that's what you're holding on to, you're wrong. If Jesus is right, I'm grateful you're a member of a church, but if that is your claim to salvation, that I am a member of a church, then you're wrong. You'd sit and hear him. And it had to bother him because if Jesus didn't bother him, he would have taken no time to respond to him. He'd have taken no time to argue with him. He'd have taken no time to tempt him. But what Jesus had said had so got down in his soul, he couldn't shake it. Oh, are y'all hearing me this morning? I'm glad for the day he got down in my soul and I couldn't shake it. <laughs> I'm glad for the day he messed my religious system up. I'm glad for the day he messed my reason up. He messed my philosophy up. He messed my religious system up. He put it in shambles. Yet Jesus has grace for this lawyer that's trying to demean him and destroy him. This man is on the wrong side of the law thinking he's on the right side of the law. This man's on the wrong side of God thinking he is God's defendant. Jesus knows it and Jesus knows his animosity. Jesus knows his anger. Jesus knows his tempting and Jesus has grace for him. And I come to tell you this morning, if you're on the wrong side of the law, I come to tell you this morning, if you think that your religion is, is right and you've denied faith in Christ, you've denied admitting you're a sinner, you've de denied a public profession, you've denied repentance, I want you to know this morning that as long as there's breath in your lungs, and it don't, I don't know how long that'll be, but this morning there's grace for you. God's got grace for you. Somebody help me this morning. God has still got grace for you. He didn't just come to save the, the thief, and thank God he did, but he come to save the lawyer, and he tells this whole story so this lawyer can see, you need me. 
I love watching God save off of the very bottom. I love, my wife alluded to it a moment ago, I love that that blood that flows to the lowest valley. I'm glad this morning it reaches to the highest mountain. And somewhere up there on that mountain living above everyone else in his mind, in his heart, was a lawyer that thought he had it all figured out. But Jesus did not just walk into the valley to save the thief, but he walked up on the mountain to touch the heart of the lawyer and say to that lawyer, I come for you as well. There's grace for this lawyer. Let me show you three areas where we see grace extended and I'll be done. Number one, in the time that he spent with the lawyer. There's grace. If I'd have been Jesus, and uh, the lawyer would have come tempting me, I'll be honest with you, I'd have had no time for the lawyer. You don't believe me? Fine, go to hell. Now, we would never say that really out loud, you know, that that's our mentality, but that's our mindset. All right, you don't want Jesus, suit yourself. Jesus spent time with him. This is not the only lawyer that Jesus spent time with and you can look up uh, the word lawyers in your concordance and you can find there's about four or five other verses where Jesus spends time dealing with lawyers. But this specific story, Jesus stops what he's teaching, he stops what he's doing, he takes this lawyer's question and he begins uh, to expound the scripture and the truth of who he is to the lawyer. He spends time with him. And he didn't have to. And he don't have to with you. And yet he gets in the car with you when it's just you. And he says, how long are you going to keep your religious system without me? And he meets you on your pew when the preacher's preaching. And he says, you know he's talking to you. When will you hear him? See, I don't know who I'm talking to. I just know I'm talking. But the Lord knows who I'm talking to. And he knows how to talk to you where you are. Are you hearing me? He'll take the time when you're trying to push him away. When you're trying to run from him. When you're trying to drown him out. He'll take the time to speak to you. He'll take the time and spend that time with you. Putting you under conviction. Giving you truth after truth. He'll send somebody out of their way to go talk to you. That you were not expecting to talk to you. And they'll say something that will stand out to you. Because he's got grace for the lawyer. He's got grace and we see it in that he spent time with the lawyer. I, I was probably somewhere in the middle of a thief and a lawyer. and Probably the lawyer was a whole lot more thief than he would have admitted. I'm going to run that one by you again. Probably the lawyer was a whole lot more thief than he ever would have admitted. But the Lord spoke to me about my soul. And he didn't have to. And he could have one time and said, well, I gave you a warning, you didn't heed it. But he spoke to me again. 
And, and, and there's multiple verses in your Bible where God speaks to a lawyer. And I don't know if it was the same lawyer or a different lawyer, but I know lawyers were represented in the grace of God because he went out of his way to speak to them. He heard their questions. He heard their tempting statements. He heard their accusations. He heard their, 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 their seeking to destroy him. And yet he did not leave them, but he spent time talking to them. God's showing you grace this morning because he's still talking to you in your sin. There's grace extended this morning in the time that he spent. There's grace extended this morning in the truth that he spake. In Luke chapter 10, he talks to this lawyer and he shows this lawyer that you're, you're in need. You're, you're, you're worse off than you think you are. You're in the ditch. Uh, you, 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 you need a savior. You're hopeless. You're helpless. And he, and he told him that very thing that this man would have never wanted to hear. I said, I'll never go back to that church again. What they said was too hard. But what you don't realize is that God will say some hard things to you because if you don't take a hard look at who you are, if you don't take a hard look at your religious system and see what it is, uh, then you'll die in your sin and go to hell. I'm glad God has said some hard things to me. I'm glad God has spoke some truths to me about who I am. Luke chapter number 11, verse 37. Jesus is about to speak some hard truth to some lawyers. Verse 37, he spake a certain, as he spake, a certain Pharisee besought him to dine with him, and he went in and sat down to meet. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed before dinner. <laughs> this Pharisee, and in a minute, the Bible's going to use the word lawyer. Invites Jesus to come eat with him. Jesus comes and he don't wash his hands first. And the Pharisee finds fault with Jesus. I don't know how to say this this morning, but there's some folks so religious, if Jesus walked in here, they wouldn't approve of him. Jesus couldn't keep your law. It's so quiet in here this morning. I guess I'm preaching. I don't know. Maybe I'm fumbling around. I don't know. Why, why didn't you wash your hands, Lord? And I believe you ought to wash your hands, and Jesus is going to address that in a minute. Yeah, it's a good thing to wash your hands, but, 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 but why are you so worried about the outside? But what's coming out of you from the inside is contaminated and corrupt. See, religion can only clean your outside. But it never fixes your attitude. It never fixes your heart. I don't, I don't care how prettied up you make yourself. I don't care how, how makeuped up you make yourself. I don't care how dolled up you make yourself. I don't care how suited up you make yourself. I don't care how tied up you make yourself. All of that is an outward covering that Jesus is going to say in a minute. Those things do matter. Those are good. But really, you are putting covering on something on the inside. And if you really want to get it right, get the inside right. Get the inside right. And when the inside gets right, God will help you with the outside. And when the Pharisee saw it, he marveled that he had not first washed his hands, and the Lord said unto him, Now do you Pharisees make clean the outside of the cup and the platter, but your inward part is full of ravening and wickedness? 
Oh, that's some hard truth right there, ain't it? Ye fools! Now he's going to call him a fool. Well, I wouldn't go to Jesus' church. He called me a fool. I'm mad at Jesus. He's not my favorite preacher no more. He said I was a fool. Oh, I am preaching this morning. Ye fools! Did not he that made that which is without make that which is within also? But rather give alms of such things as you have, and behold, all things are clean unto you. But woe unto you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and love. He said you do the religious ceremonies, you, you do this and this and this, but you pass over judgment and love and the love of God. These ought you to have done. He said, do the religious things. Do the tithe. Do the, do the men and the rue and the herbs. But don't pass over the spiritual things. These ought you to have done and not to leave the other undone. Woe unto you, Pharisees, for you love the uppermost seats in the synagogues and greetings in the market. You like what religion has made you. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye are as graves which appear not, and the men that walk over them are not aware of them. They don't know who you are, but you know that you're empty. Oh, it's rough in here this morning. Then answered one of the lawyers and said unto him, Master, Thus saying, thou reproachest us also. Master, you're talking to the Pharisees, but what you're saying, if you're, what you're saying right, you're talking about me. I don't know if it's the same lawyer in Luke 10, but I know it's a lawyer. And he said, woe unto you also, ye lawyers, for ye laid men with burdens grievous to be born, and ye yourselves touch not the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe unto you, for you build the sepulchres of the prophets, and your fathers killed them. You build monuments to your fathers that you or that to the prophets that your own fathers killed. And you make laws and commandments and rules that you don't touch yourself. That's what religion does. That's why nobody believes the Pope or the priest, because they got everybody else doing stuff that they don't do. And when your system is built on laws, when your salvation is built on laws, it don't take you long to find out. I can't do it myself. And you expect everybody else to do what you can't do and you become a hypocrite. Some of us in here this morning, that's what we were. Some of us in here this morning, that's what we are. Jesus said, I'm not against your law. You've put this law as a means of salvation just to pretty up the outer cup. But you've never dealt with that that's within. Jesus had a grace for the thief in the time that he spent and in the truth that he spake. Luke chapter 11, verse 52, he said, Woe unto you lawyers, for you have taken away the key of knowledge You've entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in, you hindered. There's two woes given to the lawyer. He said, number one, you're a hypocrite. That, that you try to make everybody else do, you don't do. 
Number two, you're a hinderer. When people are nearly entering into the grace of God, they, they run into you and you hinder them. I don't guess if I was the lawyer, I'd want to hear it either. Maybe sitting here this morning, you say, Preacher, are you talking to me? I don't know, but the Holy Ghost knows. You say, I don't want to hear that. Maybe not. But you'll find out if you ever trust him that the greatest grace in your life was that he spoke so honest with you about who you are. I remember the night my wife woke me up about one something in the morning, February 5th. What year was that? 2008. I was in Bible college. Brother Brown had preached, uh, been preaching out of the book of Revelation. He was talking about the rapture of the church. Jesus is coming to get his bride. I remember that about 1.30 that morning, early in the morning, my wife woke me up. I had to go to work the next day. She woke me up and she said, uh, I need to talk to you. She's weeping. She said, if the Lord comes, Levi's a baby, Hudson wasn't born, he's going with Jesus and you're saved, you're going. And she said, but I'm not. I was surprised, honestly, I was shocked. I probably shouldn't have been not that she did bad things because she was good, but because as I look back and recognize that there was so much missing in her life, it, it, it becomes evident almost when you, when, you, when you actually recognize it when people are missing, when they have the outer fix, but they're missing the relationship. And I argued with her. I said, you're, you're saved. And she said, no, I'm just a preacher's daughter. I'm just a church kid. No, I'm just a preacher's wife. And one of the hardest things to ever admit was everything that I've been doing is not enough. But the night she admitted it and God saved her, it was amazing. It was all the fears that she had of what's this going to be like? This is going to ruin my reputation. This is going to ruin my life. This is going to ruin what people think of me. This is good. And she found out all of that was a lie. Nobody thought less of her because she got saved. Turns out when you get saved, people don't think less of you. They may say something like this. Wow, that's a shocker. I thought you were saved. Praise God, you're saved. They don't think less of you. They're, they're praising God with you because they know that there was a time in their life where they were in the same boat. And Jesus had a grace for a lawyer in that time that he spent with him and that truth that he spoke to him. He said, you're a hypocrite. Some of you were mad at Jesus this morning. You never could tell it because it would mess you up of what people think about you. But you're mad because of the truth he speaks to you. But he does it in grace. Here's the last one I'll be done. There's grace for the lawyer in the touch he supplied. He puts this lawyer in this story in Luke chapter 10 and he says, a certain Jew went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among thieves. And The Bible said that 
the thief come, talking of Satan, for to kill, to steal, and destroy. And he said he fell among thieves. He was wounded and stripped of his garments, robbed and left for dead. Jesus comes by and he touches him. And this Jew is this lawyer. And what Jesus is telling him is if you'd ever recognize that I'm willing to touch you, change you. If you'll ever recognize it, if you'll ever confess it, if you'll ever admit it, I'm willing to touch you. You'll never be the same. That woman with the issue of blood, she said, but I can just touch the hem of his garment. And that woman who had that issue needed a touch from the Lord just as much as that lawyer needed a touch from the Lord. And Jesus was willing to touch that woman and he was willing to touch that lawyer just as much as he was that woman. That Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, she needed a touch from God, but Jesus was just as willing to touch that lawyer who denied him. There's grace for a lawyer. I want to show you one portion of scripture and be done. Titus chapter 3, verse number 13. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 13. I thought I had it marked. I guess I didn't. Titus 3 and 13. Pretty sure it's in my Bible. Paul is writing to Titus in verse 13. He said, as he's concluding his letter, bring Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently that nothing be wanting unto them. Bring Zenos the lawyer. After Calvary, after Pentecost, after the church is going full blast, full steam ahead, the apostle Paul, the preacher to the Gentiles, he says, there's a lawyer that's one of us. His name is Zenos. I want you to get him, and when he comes with Apollos, I want you to bring both of them and take care of them until they get here to me. I need both of them. Apollos was the eloquent preacher. Zenos was the lawyer. I don't know if it's the same one. Probably not. I couldn't prove it if it was, but I can prove this much. When Jesus met this man in Luke chapter 10, he was a lawyer and Jesus had grace for him. And when we get to Titus chapter three, we find in the church that there is a lawyer that Jesus has saved. He has made him become a part of the church. And what I'm trying to tell you this morning is you may be sitting in here and you think there's no way I could ever get saved. I could not swallow that pride. I could not let down that reputation. I've already told people that I am. I've been a teacher of the word of God. I have tried to win others and, and there's no way that I could ever admit that I'm lost but you're here this morning and you're lost and I want you to know that on the other side of Calvary there's grace for you and God will not just save a thief but he'll save a lawyer and if you grew up in this and this is all you know but you don't know him today you can know him he's got grace for a lawyer. I want to ask you this morning, is there any lawyers here? And don't point at others and say, yeah, that was a lawyer and that was a lawyer. You might be wrong. But look within yourself and say, am I the lawyer? And if I am, 
Does God have grace for me? And I can say emphatically, God has grace for a lawyer. Did you come to the piano this morning? I guess it was a little slower preaching this morning, but we moved through the scripture with a great truth. And that's all I desire of the Lord, to bring a great truth to our heart. How long will you be the lawyer and are you willing to die the lawyer? Or would you let the Lord save you and make you a part of his church? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed this morning. Would you stand with me all over the building? Maybe we have some Zenus the lawyers in here. That's who you were. And yet one day you met him and he saved you. You want to come thank him for it. She's going to sing this morning.